something for the society that was a special gift, a donation for the society here. Um, Early on in the development of Lantern City, we actually, uh, a, a dear friend of mine is Vincent DeFate, who you guys will all know is a you have very a few famous. Books in there. Yeah, a couple of the tour books, like all of them in the library, have his, uh, have his work on the cover. So I wanted to donate to the Society today um, as a thank you for having you guys uh, host us tonight. Um, a early rendering of the Lantern City Guard. So I have that I have that here and that might look nice in your uh, so it's a not a print, the original painting of the Lantern City Guard. So um, just as a as a little thank you before we get started for uh, for Krypton Radio here, it might be something fun to have up in the uh, in your in your display case or uh, along here on one of the walls. So just wanted to Send that along to you sure, guys would be happy just to with that start. Too. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, thank you very you much. Sure, no, of course, of course. Get that back there. Start jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast aye, shield. Sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Aye, sir. The center of the galaxy, and there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. You should be able to hear the magnetic resonance. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good evening, or morning, or afternoon, whichever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the event horizon where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time for a journey into science fiction, fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. Each week, the event horizon features writers, lecturers, artists, filmmakers, and other talented creators of the fabric of this marvelous continuum we call science fiction. I'm your host, Gene Turnbow, Founder and Station Manager for Krypton Radio, and with me today in the Waspus Clubhouse in front of a live audience is Susan Fox, the station's executive producer. Greetings, program. (laughs) And tonight we are pleased and delighted to have with us Trevor Crafts and Bruce Boxleitner. And they're here to talk to us about their new project, Lantern City. Welcome, you guys. Thank you very much. much. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us here. So uh, the first question, uh, which I'm sure is on everyone's mind, is what is Lantern City? Take it away, Trevor. I will take that one. Um, Lantern City is a new fantasy television show that Bruce and I have been developing for about the last year. Uh, Lantern City is a character-driven drama that centers around three people from our world that get transported to an alternate world 
um, which has a very steampunk look and feel in a city called Lantern City. So it's a, um, designed as a television show. It's not a web series. It's not a feature film. Uh, we've created a very large world for um, really won't be contained by just one film or one small web series. This is like a Game of Thrones or a Boardwalk Empire. This is something that really has a lot of a lot of scale, and really, television is the only medium that that can uh, that can contain that kind of a project. Yeah, I would liken to what I did in the '90s, uh, Babylon Five. Um, did anybody see that? Show? I don't think anybody saw it. But it's, I think, uh, as you can see today in our uh, television landscape, this kind of storytelling is very popular again. Um, that's why I didn't want it to be a web series. I'm old school. He's new school, okay? <laughs> and we, we blend those, uh, those things together. Um, no, I think we, we have a very rich uh, world that we have created here. We have a, also a marvelous partner who uh, actually put it down on paper. We have a marvelous two-hour opener to this, three episodes to show us where we're going, to show where we're going with it. Um, no, it's not like we just have an idea, and it's there. We actually have it. We're, you know. So it's a fully developed. Fully developed. It yeah, is. this is not a. This is not just something that. Uh, it's not just an idea that's right. floating out there. We actually have. Uh, we're very. This hasn't been filmed yet. No, no, we're not in production as of yet. But no. we're we're very far along in terms of the development track, um, in terms of the writing, all of the character development, everything else, conceptual design, everything is being built, and we're also have the back end in terms of our social media where we're also including the fans in its development, which is a new uh, a new idea for television. So what is that? Yeah. How exactly does that work? Because I read that and I thought, <clears throat> how are they possibly going to wrangle that kind of information on a you know on a serial basis? The lawyer, do you want to do you want to give it I mean Twitter, yeah. Facebook alone? These are things that I'm new to this world too. Yes, Tron is new to Twitter. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, these guys, I mean, I'm learning from the younger members here, and I, and I see the value of it, and uh, we didn't go to the fans before. You generally started a show, and then you hope to gather a fan base. Yeah. We're actually starting with a fan base of something that hasn't been shot yet. And because, and, and part of the reason for that is that, you know, as, as you asked, how does that work? The lawyers were not really all that thrilled with me when I came up with this well, idea. That was that was the first. Yeah, thing yeah of course. So I sort of, of you know, like uh, just threw those guys out and said, well, "Well, we'll we'll figure out a way." And we did. I mean, essentially, what we're doing is we've come up with what I like in this to sort of a a multinational steampunk gallery where. Mm -hmm. Artists. That's the mm -hmm. thing about the steampunk community. It's a maker. Community. It's a maker community. You're mm -hmm. absolutely right. They're, they are makers, builders, designers. It is a social movement as well as a design and a fiction fantasy movement. So we decided from, from minute one, I knew that I had the idea for Lantern City, and I knew that the fans had to be involved. So the way that we do that is we encourage those makers and those artists to submit designs, prop designs, things that they've built, actual physical constructions to our web forum, and the best of the best we will actually use in the show. So we will, we will take this evolving community of steampunk artists, because you can't really define steampunk 
very easily. It's, it's there's so yes. many different styles. It's not a one-liner. Yeah, there's so many different things. You can define Star Trek very simply. Two words: yeah. retro future. You, yeah, but in terms okay, of okay, Victorian futurism. Yeah, I, like I can. It. You want to go tit for tat here? I mean, <laughs> I mean, we can do that, and that's that's what's been marvelous about that mm -hmm. is that that it's it's opened all kinds of interpretation. Right, and we're yeah. allowing that interpretation in. Mm -hmm. One of the core story functions of Lantern City is that it's a tiered society. So there is a ruling class called the Grey Empire. This is their mm -hmm. this is their logo of the Grey Empire here. Um, and by the way, this is a tell them what this is here. This is a uh, what he's showing here is our uh, uh, yeah we have part a, of our pitch book part of our part of our, of our production artwork. design that has artwork and things like that in it. So the city of Lantern City, all of this is available online on LanternCityTV.com. But and we're going to be reposting some of these graphics we were provided with a press Perfect. kit by your yeah. press agent yeah. because great. because uh, these pictures are, will look great on radio. They do. They look fantastic. <laughs> the dancing unicorns that you can't see are unbelievable. I know. It frustrates me is that I'm in that picture somewhere. You are, and you can't be seen. Yeah, but you're like one pixel. Yeah, I know. But having <laughs> having the fans engaged, having them submit designs, we've seen some incredibly creative work. Yeah. Armor suits, tanks. Um, you know, simple things like jewelry and earrings and beautiful Little pins. minute things that, you know, you wouldn't think of, but that adds, uh, to have that, it adds to that um, the, the richness. richness. The yeah. richness. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Same yeah. Um, Trevor and I have been traveling the country. I, I do want to add that we've been traveling the country. Um, we were at a large steampunk convention um, in what, Madison? Yeah, Tesla We're on our way to C2E2 in Chicago, which isn't necessarily, but I mean, it's a big convention where there'll be a, a large component of, of steampunk um, participants. That's where I first saw it, and I knew it, I, I knew, I liked it. I knew it, it was, you know, I didn't know what steam, I didn't hear that term, but I saw at conventions and stuff like that, and people that were cosplaying, you know, and, um, you were a fan of well, I was a fan. I mean, I've been a fan. You just didn't know what it yeah, was it wasn't called. But I, I knew. Yeah. I knew what I liked when I saw it. Well, it started and out. Uh, it started out actually a long time back. Oh my God! First, some of the first years. steampunk stories were uh, the uh, Steam Man of the Prairies, like the first way back. Yes, first science fiction dime novel published in the United States. That's right. 1868 by Edward S. Ellis. That's right. Right after the Civil War, mm -hmm. and uh, it, yeah, it does. It, it goes all the way back there. And, and then Jules um, Verne was the first one to Jules actually Verne. put throw the airships into the mix. Yeah. How about an atomic submarine in 1868? By the way, right uh, after yes, the Civil War, he's sinking everybody. And that's always been amazing. I have a wonderful model of the uh, Nautilus, Disney's version of the Nautilus, with all that boilerplate and just—it's nasty-looking thing. But it's just you know, big bolts and cogs and wheels. Um, it's just something fascinating about that. And, and more importantly, for this project, um, we've had Wild Wild West, the film and the television series. I guess if there was a first. Steampunk TV series yeah, with, with, with uh, Robert Conrad. Yep, and um, you know it was a marvelous series. Uh, movie, not so much. Yeah. But um, he got his giant but, spider. Well, and it's yes, it's yes. the same period of time too. Yes, the 1870s, which right. is uh, which is all that Victorian era. era. Yeah, it's the right. same era of right. steampunk going on. Right, but I'll, 
I just think it's a world, and I'm sorry you hear this contingency. No, I just no, think no. it's True. a world to take an audience today. Where, where haven't we taken you as storytellers? Where haven't we taken you? You know what I'm saying? We've been to outer space. We've been under the seas. We've been backwards in time, forwards in time, time machine, H.G. Wells, wonderful steampunk um, story. Um, it's funny. To, to find me. something today into, to, to develop. Trevor said it earlier in, a, in a, this other interview, to, to come up with an original idea. Well, some people might say this is not so original. But I want to tell you, to the average guy in the street and gal, if I walked out there and I said, um, just walked up and said, excuse me, but what do you think, what is steampunk to you? Well, hopefully, and I think you said this a long time ago, um, if we're successful, <laughs> it's almost like I want them to say, oh, it's that TV series, Lantern City. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, What's steampunk? Lantern City steampunk. Lantern That's City what we steampunk. want to have well, it's going to be. I That's our hope. You get this done, and I, I, I'm pretty certain it's going to be the defining... Well, I don't see anybody else doing moment. it. Well, no. But I want to take them someplace that's unique. What I don't like about some of the st steampunk thing, it's it's kind of this sort of jocular humor. It's it's <laughs> British, you know, colonel generals with big lamb chops. Uh, we're not going to have any of that stuff. And there's not going to be any vampires or the silly damn zombies anymore. Thank you. Um, I think I'm safe to say here in this audience that we have worn these genres down into the most ludicrous... Walking Dead is good. Okay. All right. Good. But uh, everything else, I mean, we've got Brad Pitt coming out in Max Brooks's um, wonderful book that is going to be a horrific uh, movie, I think. Horrible. Anyway, I don't mind pulling. I don't pull my punches. I don't care. Brad Pitt's rich enough. He can take a few flops. I can't. Anyway. Uh, uh, <laughs> But I just think, I, I try to find, just in the, you know, and this, this is our challenge, too. Um, to sell this thing, it's not going to be easy. Trevor has already found that out. <laughs> I was really curious about well, the It's hard to get situation. these minds. Yeah, and because they're, they are so used to, they run their little, they run in their little habit trails mm -hmm. to get from one end of the project yeah, to the I other, know, and they're not... But it just takes well, one successful one. Yeah, it takes one successful yeah. one to break them out. And this is why this is why everybody here is really important, mm -hmm. is because things are changing. The model is changing. Nielsen ratings don't count the same way that they, they once really did. They really have no meaning. They're, you know, Netflix is doing original programming in, in conjunction with CAA and other agencies. Hmm. Amazon has got their studios that they've started. These are almost crowdsourced television products. Amazon's basically putting out six pilots and saying, you are 200 million person audience. What do you guys think? Which one do you want to see as a television show? Mm -hmm. So what we're doing is we're trying to follow those same models and turn television a bit on its ear by having a fan base, by having people engaged and proving to a network that there's something there that's going to have a longevity, that's going to have a life that's going to live on season after season after season. And what we're doing, uh, Bruce had mentioned our writer, Matt Daly, what Matt's done so effectively is to bring the characters to life so that week after week, the struggle of these characters, these people from our world that have found themselves in Lantern City with no way to escape, with no way to get out, with no knowledge of anything about this bizarre society that, they're, that they've lived in, it's those people that are going to keep the fans coming back. Not just oh, the yeah. steampunk fans, because that will certainly be 
a great way to, to get into it. It's wonderful fiction. It's a wonderful universe, but it's that human drama that we all love with a Game of Thrones and, and all the other shows that are on right now. Television is really the new cinema. We want characters we can believe in. Absolutely. Like, and we want, like uh, we want storylines that, uh, that remind us of the... The, uh, the struggles that we have in our own lives. Yeah. And, and, for, and for our characters, our, our three main characters, you know, they yearn for power. They find maybe they don't want as much power as they've gotten. They struggle to survive. They do things that they never thought they would uh, in order to be able to survive. They embrace their dark side. They find the light. I mean, these are things that we all struggle with in varying degrees in our own lives. So even though it's set in a, in a fantastic place, like mm. Bruce said, that we haven't been to before, these are the ideals that are still very prevalent in all Joseph Campbell hero myths that we love. Mm -hmm. So how, speaking of Joseph Campbell and developing the story, how hands-on are you guys in developing the characters and the, uh, the driving scenarios well, we create this world. We, in we invented them. <laughs> so okay. pretty, I know I mean, pretty driving. Hands on, we are. They came driving. out of our head. So okay. yeah, it I mean, ain't pretty in here. I want to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Let uh, me tell you. You spend nine hours locked in a room with this man. Some of you may be like, "Oh, that's so great." No, um, not too much. <laughs> uh, I want out myself. <laughs> uh, no, the thing is, we did. We brainstormed these characters. Yeah. I mean, he he came with a rough, uh, you know, outline of, of the of these relationships and how you know, blah blah blah. Yeah, I come but, up with sort of the sort of core, the core concept of the city, the characters, how they get here, mm -hmm. and then what Bruce, we had to do is put flesh on these. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and, and yeah, flesh and, and bone. And and Bruce and I have just finished working on a on a comedy western called Smokewood, Nevada, on a pilot. Um, and uh, got to be good friends and, and when I sort of thinking about collaborating with someone, you know, Bruce and I just had, had such a good working relationship. And, and we like uh, similar things. And we like, yeah, we have very similar ideals about good television and I definitely wanted to also bring it to someone that had the ability to think in a larger scale. Bruce is a great author, obviously Frontier Earth, and, and has had so much time in front of and behind the camera. Um, you know, I come from television Emmy that I won back in 2009, lots of different kinds of post-production, lots of different layers of production, and it seemed like a natural fit that we could create something that was a big epic project because this is not a small show it's not always sunny in philadelphia where we're shooting it with two cameras oh, in man. in one room you know this is yeah two, this the, two, span three, ca three cameras and a couch yeah arch and bunker well that worked for a long time yeah, yeah. I, I, but I this just, is a pretty big scale yeah i i just think that uh, what i was impressed with trevor on on is that uh, the idea about using the new medias which i was still sort of grasping trying to grasp and but it's guys like him that are running these uh, networks now that pay attention to um, our Twitter. They, they pay attention to the popularity of actors through this, these mediums and stuff like that. And, you have uh, over 700,000 followers. Yes, yeah, approximately. 700,000. The they two. pay yeah, attention to that. A lot. They're paying attention to that because they do it themselves. This isn't the old guys. This may be a, an older skewed room here, pardon me. But the kids that are running it now, that's why science fiction's being done. You know, it was always sort of scoffed at by Hollywood. It's always been treated as sort of a childlike thing. 
that's why when we see Avatar gets the you know the the, the accolades that it got and several others, um, it's being appreciated now. Well, I think so, and, and television is, as well. I mean, and we're seeing much more fantasy. We're seeing much more. Look at look at look at the top shows on television today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Almost exclusively, they're genre shows. Genre. Game of Thrones, Walking Dead. I mean, those are really the two mm -hmm. top shows on television. Today. I think so. Even you know, A Downton Abbey is certainly has elements up, and there's a lot of elements of all of those three shows in terms of style. Um, to Lantern City. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I saw just recently in an article um, about how television is shifting um, that Firefly, obviously the much beloved series Firefly, got canceled for twice as many ratings when it, when it got canceled as Community has right now, and that's been picked up again. Because Community, they're also looking at all of the social media aspects that come with it. Downton Abbey, they look at all of the different Tumblr accounts that are set up to show about what style of wardrobe is set up mm -hmm. in, in that. So this, these are becoming much more prevalent in television today, way more than they ever have been before. Yeah, and, I, we're, and we're looking to help engage, engage our fan base by allowing them to contribute and allowing to build in a way that they've never been able to do before because we haven't had these tools before. Right. You know, really when you like us on Facebook, you follow us on Twitter, you're really casting your vote for us on, you know, to the networks. You're basically saying, I choose these guys, I choose this show. A lot of the shows that were canceled in the, uh, in the late 90s were actually very popular. In, I mean, one of the things that Nielsen's did not cover was the college audience mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. they would they would play the shows in the dorm rooms, and or the uh, uh, the common areas, mm -hmm. and the television would be on, and you don't have a Nielsen tracking for one television with thirty people sitting in that room watching. Right. So it really skews. Uh, I mean, uh, but we're now now well, that we sports bars have you yes. know dealt with that <laughs> and CompuServe was just such a in. slow way to get information around. But it's no. all we had, you know. It's I mean, it's, had. no one saw what was coming. And now we're watching, you know, we're, I don't have my iPhone on me, but we're watching movies on that, watching a television show on that. HBO. The Nielsen ratings can't, they can't exist. I watched, There's just no way of I watched all the episodes of Serenity on my Palm Pilot. I was that desperate to see okay. television. But that's what's happening. People are watching it at the time they want to watch it. And on these various different um, methods, you know, this thing so, right here, you know. So what uh, what books have you read? What what do you think informs the work that you're doing on Lantern City? What's what do you like to what's, read? What's inspiring you here? Well, I asked a hard one. No, I would I wouldn't <laughs> say. It was time to read. I'm working. <laughs> Look at what I'm doing here. Okay, what, so what? What pretty pictures have inspired you? The work of Vincent DeFate, apparently. Uh, well, he knows Vincent. Yeah, Vincent will buddy of mine. Um, um, I'll I tell you what, I, I don't know. Um, there's a bunch of sort of uh, steampunk westerns I've been reading. A guy named Mike Resnick. You might know him. Yeah. He's a wonderful author. He has these weird west tales with uh, Doc Holliday, who is, and uh, unfortunately there are some vampires in here, but um, <laughs> um, no, no listen, listen, I will go back into one comment. If we get this sold to somebody and they go, you know, but we kind of see a, 
there's a sort of element to, st- uh, to Lantern City that has sort of an, a, a place where there are zombies. My God, you know, we were just that's thinking. a great idea. <laughs> I mean, I think that's fantastic. Uh, I would right, love to hold my ground, right, but it's show best. business, not show I, art. Yeah, and, um, yeah. yeah but vo- zombies are expensive. I heard that by the second episode of Walking Dead, the network was saying, do we have to show the zombies? Oh, Can't we just you. hear them outside the Well, here's the thing. No. Networks, you know, it's uh, like... Like Trevor said, it's hard getting an original idea out there. So we have our we have our um, uh, work ahead of us still. Everybody a lot of things take be, a long time for development. Yeah, everybody wants to be first to be second. That's the biggest problem. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, that and happens. that's exactly right. I mean, if you also look at other other people that have shows in development right now, you know, the 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 Dome is coming out. Stephen King, that mo- that. That was originally. You know how long that's been around? Three and a half years. Yeah, I, I mean, do. Of course, actually. three and a half years. I mean, people think you have an idea, you sell it, and uh, it's in, immediately on. A lot of things. Uh, JMS had, I think, he had Babylon Five well b- more than five years before. Um, it was with Paramount for over a year, and suddenly there was this show called DS Nine. Yeah. Mm. Nobody, nobody Star in this Trek room was fooled. Had, <laughs> okay. Star Trek never really did have a space station, in it, did it? I mean, it was uh, about going, moving. No, the the the, the yeah. Tribbles episode. Oh that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Okay. All right. All right. But all I'm saying is, is That's that um, you know things uh, they take time. And what we want to do is we want to have all of our ducks in a row. We want to think every angle, right? Mm-hmm. We're we're trying to have as much there because when you do a pitch on something like this. Um, you gotta have you gotta have everything today. You have the uh, you can't old dog do an I don't show. know yet. Well, yeah, it's not the old days of walking in. Uh, you throw a script in front of the guy. He says, "All right, kid, you got five minutes to tell me your story." Now you got to bring in a multifaceted uh, pitch. You have to, you know, we have a, a, a trailer shot already. We've got this wonderful pitch book here um, that you can't see on radio, but. Um, <laughs> And this, you know, this but we'll post the images, and they're all yeah. in the, they're the images all, are all out yeah. there. And they're but on the you've got to give them. Uh, you're dealing with people that really don't have much of an imagination. Well, they never did. I mean, they never has, did, that and that's the way it is. is uh, they're businessmen. They're that's the way it is. So oh, I don't mind insulting them. Um, <laughs> anyway, I've worked. With, you know, what can you do? Yeah. Um, but when you get in there, you have to have something to show these people, and um, not just a gift of gab, which. I've been accused of having sometimes. Um, so uh, you met on you met on books. You asked about books. books. I did. I did. Yeah, ask we didn't really books. answer the question, did no, we, Trevor? No, we didn't. No, we didn't. We wanted to get around that one. Well, now that you have a thirty thousand book uh, library, maybe we'll be over here hanging out a few times. No, I just I've I've tried to. There's a lot. And by the way, when you say that, let's say what books have you read? That's when I know steampunk is like on a on a wave. It's kind of because go to Barnes and Noble, you can actually find. And surprisingly, a lot of women write uh, steampunk adventures with heroines, uh, you know, kick-ass Victorian women with uh, bustiers and bustles and uh, strange ray guns and things like this. Uh, what was her name? We Gail, Gail Carragher is a friend of ours. Yes. Uh, yeah, yes. Carragher. Yes. And, she's, and she's great. And she has a lot of great, great books that are definitely a little different than our yeah, take well, on steampunk. So we well, that's what I mean. It's, it, there are so many different takes on exactly. steampunk. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, Ours yeah. will be one. Yeah. And then there will be others. Uh, you, might enjoy Phil and Kaya Foley. you might enjoy Ooh. Phil and Kaya Folio's uh, Girl Genius. Okay, okay. We'll check it out. Yeah, I, don't I got online some online, online, online comic book. 
Mm-hmm. So you okay. can read it for free cool. at girlgeniusonline.com. Okay. We'll I just picked up a big three-volume uh, The Bookman series. Have you ever heard of that? And I forget. No, I haven't. He has an Indian name, East Indian name. I just picked that up. Cover had everything that we wanted on the front. <laughs> um, um, so anyway, I mean, it's just, uh, it's, it's tough with a new idea. Um, I'll read anything, you know, uh, I can get my hands on. But read history of that era. That's always mm-hmm. good. Oh, yes. wanna, you know, Absolutely. Pick up on themes that were running back in that very famous time. Um, well, and the themes that run through everything that people want to see here, it gets back to Joseph Campbell, as you were saying. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's that. what we really have. We yeah, have I mean, two I'm questions that this thing of how far would you go to be with the one you love. Yes, ladies, we will have it actually at the core of this, a love story. I, I'm a big proponent of that. I think that's one of the greatest motivations in human, in human behavior. I mean, you know, um, and also how far would you go and what would you do to survive? Uh, to what extent? Uh, so uh, there's two very basic, basic elemental questions. Mm-hmm. So. Well, on Babylon 5, you had two essential questions as well. Mm-hmm. Who are you mm-hmm. and what do you want? Mm-hmm. Two opposing How sides. simple can that be? And where and should we go for show, lunch? That's those scripts were not simple. <laughs> and where do we go for lunch? Yeah, that's a fair question. <laughs> that's, that's the biggest question in Hollywood, <laughs> by the way. Yes, if you where do we have lunch? If the entire production team end-to-end, they still wouldn't reach a conclusion. No, I know that. I know that. <laughs> um, but that, that's what I, you know, I take a, I have nothing but great memories of Babylon 5. And what I loved was I never wanted to know what was going to happen in the next script. As the character that I played, I wanted to approach it as it's coming at me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, JMS would, um, he'd give out scripts a week ahead of the time if, if we had that, if we had that luxury. And strangely enough on that, I, every other television series I ever had, we never really had. Uh, we'd still be in a rewrite, and we'd get it at the last minute before we shot. Um, but I, I asked him, I said, you know, I really don't want to know. And he said, I respect that. That's good. That's good. Because I wanted to approach it fresh. Um, uh, but the, how many storylines did we have going? Every character had a journey in that show. Every character. And uh, Actually, even though some were aliens, you know. Every character had two journeys. Yes. One was the See? emergency escape hatch, in uh-huh. case that actor had to leave the show. <laughs> but it did happen. He, uh, it did happen he, a yeah. couple times. We'll kill off people, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. That's, that's like... Oh, a, don't that's tell like, us that. Well, why not? <laughs> that's why not. Okay. You know. I'm about to celebrate the 20th anniversary of uh, Babylon 5. I can't believe it's 20 years oh already. Um, in uh, Phoenix, uh, the Comic-Con in May, we're having the, the, the remaining cast there. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to pick JMS's brain some more Good. about um, the process of telling a vast saga. And that's what this is. That's what I envisioned this as a saga. Yeah. Well, I think he aged about 20 years in that five-year span, so Mm -hmm. that may not be good for you. Uh, Well, (laughs) I can do it. He can take it. I'll make sure. I'll make sure he can take it. Um, So tell us about uh, uh, Smokewood. Tell us about Smokewood. You you met, you were working on this Western pilot. Is this something we'll ever see? Yeah, I saw you it will. on IMDb. And I was like, oh, yeah, it, is it, it is on IMDb. Yes, yes I, yeah. I did my homework. We had a trailer. Yeah. It's going through some changes now, but I think. Yeah, we've got, some, we've got some uh, network adjustments that we're doing. So we've got uh, basically, it is a comedy Western uh, that is sort of um, The Office meets Tombstone. So it's 
shot in the style. It's shot in the style of the office. Of the office. Yeah, if you get out of town by midnight, yeah, that'd be kind of so that'd be good. It's kind of that kind of. It's yeah, kind of a great. crazy thing. <laughs> we, we brought. Uh, I brought Bruce on uh, to play one of the series regulars, yeah. Um, yeah. Johnny Morgan, an old crusty uh, cattle baron yeah. who also has a. Incredible. I was much more grizzled up. And oh, you were really grizzled yeah, up. Yeah, I, was, um, I loved it. He has sort of an, a, a dark secret that he absolutely loves kittens. Yes. <laughs> it's a very perverse show. It really Dude, you and Hellboy. He really doesn't uh, doesn't want that to get out. And then, we had, and then we had, of course, now let's say the, yeah, the one we, we had, showed we had, we had Robert Davi. Robert Davi Robert Davi, who you immediately know when you first see him, he doesn't even have to talk, you go, the bad guy. The town guy, the yeah. gambler, the guy that has all the crime, all the criminal elements going. Yeah. And then, of course, the wonderful mayor of Smokewood. So a good friend of mine, a, a new uh, comedic improv actor named Mark Odlum, um, played uh, Dale, Dale Baxter, the mayor, who was a, a, uh, a guy from Boston who... Who got out dad, before the accent. Yeah. Because right. I asked him, how come we don't have this Boston accent? And he before says, well, I got out right before the accent before started. The accent started. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, he moves it's a out. pretty nutty show. He moves out. Uh, his dad gets him a job as the assistant to the deputy mayor of Smokewood. And unfortunately, in a very, in a very uh, tragic prostitute quicksand incident, the <laughs> mayor... and involved the, a dog, the, a prostitute, the, and... The, um, the, Copious amounts of something, but anyway, the um, mayor and the deputy mayor both die, and yeah. so he is essentially thrust into the role of the mayor, Dead completely, completely unaware and unprepared of any of the uh, the issues that the old west life will uh, will. And I'm there to re- to teach him, and you're there to shoot him several times, even in the. <laughs> I pilot. actually do shoot him several times. He keeps up getting. I'm okay. I'm okay. We want to make sure that this anyway. is the show where more. Where, where that character, Dale Baxter, gets shot more often than any other character in the history of television. That's right. That's so right. And some so people will have a hundredth you know, episode sort of special anniversary. He'll We're going to have a one hundredth time he's shot uh, special episode. He'll go and have really drinks. It'll be like the fourth episode. It's not going to be Drinks after the show with Kenny from South Park and, yeah, 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 and yeah, Rory yeah. from Doctor and Who. When, and when and he does drink, he'll take the drink and all open yeah. his chest and all the <laughs> He's a very, very funny man. And um, oh, I'm I, to I hope it's a, it would be a good platform for him to become well-known. Yeah. Sort of by the tall, ganglier Steve Carell. That's yeah. him, okay. That same kind of... Not, he has his own unique humor, but uh, it's that, uh, that kind of... What would you say? Uh, kind of a nebbish thing. Yeah, he's yeah, very nebbish, a bit of nebbish kind of guy. But so and appealing. You, you can mm-hmm. see the our, our current trailer um, if you go to smokewood.tv. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, everybody can check out the, uh, the current trailer for the show. Mm-hmm. So how many uh, how many of the people that you met on Smokewood? Obviously, you two got along f- famously, but did you did you bring any, some others did you with you? Snare anybody else and tow them along with you on the Lantern City project? Not for not for uh, not for Smokewood, um, but uh, we have uh, gotten lucky enough to have some other friends of Bruce's that wanted to come and play with Lantern City. So yeah. we have yeah. um, Great buddies of mine that uh, are in other. Uh, you know, uh, studios and things like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're trying to build a good production. Yeah. So behind the scenes production. So I have expertise. That's mm-hmm. what you have to do. I got to call in old friends, people well. that I've worked with over the years that I know and trust. And um, and that's I think what, what unites us is that we want to work with our friends. 
Know? Yeah, that's um, good point. And it's very, very difficult to do that all the time. We really want to make sure that we, you know, production work, we all work, works hard enough. Why not do it with the people that you really like? We've been lucky enough to get... Let's uh, talk about the actors. Talk, tell them about, about the I actors. was just yeah, about to ask about, about that because there are some yeah. of your um, former Mira Furlan is playing Martha Ellen Gray. Fantastic. Mira, Mira is fantastic. I've always loved her. I always loved working with her. Uh, she's read this thing, and oh my God, the uh, the, the reviews she gave. Um, um, uh, yeah, Tony. so we've got we've got also um, Tony Amendola who is on Continuum right now, and he's also on Once Upon a Time. He's mm -hmm. in Zorro. He's playing one of the one of the characters, Strom Illich, who's the leader of the underground. Um, Raphael Sabarge, who is also on Once Upon a Time right now, mm -hmm. plays Jiminy Cricket. He's uh, he's playing a character. Uh, Gigi Edley from Farscape is uh, is playing. Uh, this is the old sci-fi shows. Why not? But Isn't here's the it? thing. Why not? These indeed? are you got an old sci-fi guy here. These you know, are, I mean. are these are great why actors. Not? They're great working actors. They're I also in casting the show, really trying to find those intangibles. One of the reasons I think why Firefly worked so well is because that cast worked so well together. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so in casting Lantern City, we're trying to replicate some of those same ideals of right. having people have fun when they're working because then you get that will translate across the screen to the audience and really become that, well, become it's that unique, magic. It, it is unique to, find, to, to build a, a really tight, good oh, ensemble. I Sorry, right. I, how could well, I forget? Me, I was going to go there. You mind? Go ahead. <laughs> fellow I worked with on a series, uh, he did a guest star part when we were in 1984 in the summer, uh, a series I did called Scarecrow and Mrs. King with Kate Jackson. <laughs> and uh, thank you. Anybody we shot that, that in. Yeah, nobody you did. Are, yes. anyway. <laughs> he, um, did, he did almost exactly as many episodes of Scarecrow and Mrs. King no, as no, he no, did no, of Babylon 5. Yes, thank you exactly. very much. I counted. By the way, I have a wonderful British gentleman who was the first one first actor mm -hmm. to have read this script mm -hmm. when we got it out, got it finished. And his name is John Reese Davies. John read this script. We, met, we approached him uh, because I knew him, and I hadn't seen him in a while. Uh, but I had fond memories of when we worked in London together. And um, I thought, you know, here's the perfect gentleman. There he is, right there. Uh, the you head, can't see him on head, radio, but there he is. Head counsel of the uh, Grey Empire. Desmond Wilhorn. Yes. Oh, so and, he's like um, the, the, the ruling dynasty. He's one of the bad guys, oh, he, yes. absolutely. Well, bad guys. John Reese can play that so well. But he read, he read this. Yeah. I got it. We were at Dragon Con, mm -hmm. and we had done a panel there. And there he was, dressed very Natalie for that uh, August three weather, whatever three it was. Three-piece three suit. With Amazing. The tie Best dressed guy there. He was. And we got it to him. He wanted to know all about this, you know. And um, this is how I want to do it. This is how you do it. I hate this old way of casting people. Um, I have the unique advantage of knowing so many actors, and there are so many more that I want to approach. I also have the, uh, you know, the, the uh, experience of working in a finely tuned ensemble. Mm -hmm. I think Babylon 5 was one of the best ensembles sure. on, on, on yeah. series television. And the proof of that is that you're still fast friends so yes. Many yes, we are today. Yes, we are today, and we've lost so many of them. And I don't want to go into that. Time has not been good. To no, it has not. Yeah. I, uh, it's it's baffling to me. But um, what a great group that was, and uh, we never had one uh, diva or, or right. uh, you know somebody that held it up. I mean, that, it was other one of than those, you. 
Other than me. Right. Yes. Okay. Just one. Thank you. Or Jerry Doyle. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the thing that John said when he read the script, which was so great, he said, this is the best science fiction pilot I've read in 20 He wrote years. a two-page review. He wrote a review. Thing. I have a tattoo wow. somewhere. Uh, <laughs> I'm sitting on mine. But, uh, uh, two cheeks. It fits. Two pages. Um, that's a little too much. My God, that's a little too much. Yes, yes. Right. Yeah. yes. 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 WTMI. All too much but, information. You know, that's when I thought, my God, here's a man who has done it all. He's been in some pretty incredible films. Yeah. Uh, certainly knows what it is to be in an ensemble and in a large saga, <laughs> Lord of the Rings, okay? And he's done television and movies, mm -hmm. so he's, right. he knows both So he knows, knows his stuff. Times. So for him to sit down, actually take the time to read this, there isn't a firm offer or anything like that. He doesn't have, you know, uh, Peter Jackson handing him this thing. He's got it on a friendship and a, and a young fellow that he met, and, uh, and having worked with me, not seen if we haven't seen each other for a long time. I don't pretend to be, you know, bosom buddies. But you know, when you work with somebody, you enjoy that work experience. You remember that forever. And um, so for him to do that, it really, really struck me. I, I really took it to heart. And uh, that's and why I know we've got something. Yeah. Well, what strikes me about how you're going about this is that uh, usually in Hollywood, when you when you put a show together, the first thing you do is, is uh, once you get your treatment going and you convince somebody to actually pony up the money for it, then you go around and you try to find people who will do it, and the first thing they want to know is how much money is involved. And that's not what's happening here. No. What's happening here is, hey, this is really cool. Can I work on it with you? Yeah. I, and that's it's exactly the opposite. It's such a unique way of doing it. I mean, it it's is. just not done that way. No. It's in, in, in Hollywood, you know, we've been doing it the way they've been always doing it. And we will get that kind of, um, still, we'll have to deal with that. Yeah, once, we get, well, once we're at that stage, and that's fine. But that is, we are really trying to do this almost literally backwards from the way that it's normally done. And also, when you say all these people, these actors that we have spoken about... Um, you know, they are genre. They're known within the genre. The well, they're fans not afraid to dress up, I mean, are they? No, no. but the fans <laughs> immediately responded yeah, on bet. Twitter and Facebook, did they not? Absolutely. When these names, and these are people that came to us. Now, Mira and I, I mean, Mira is perfect for this. Right away, she saw her character as Gertrude in Hamlet. Mira plays I Martha. Mean, of course. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Mira, Mira Furlan. Musical comedy, you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> no. Mira can is a great tragedian. She really is. She can take you places. Well, I think uh, she's going to deliver the European audience too. Very much so. Yeah. Very much so. Here. She wants to take it to uh, where? Sarajevo. Sarajevo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> cool. yeah Mira's away. playing. That's cool. Mira's playing uh, Martha Ellen Gray, who is uh, the mother of. Killian Gray, who is the leader of great of uh, of the Gray Empire, so and she's uh, married into the. She is. The that's, that's, that's nice. That, of the, no, uh, she's marvelous. She's a marvelous choice for the, that. The the uh, the Gray Empire. It evokes so much mental imagery just from the name of it. Before you know anything in the background, that it actually is a family dynasty. Correct. Yeah. 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 The Gray Empire in our in, in Lantern City has ruled for a hundred years. So. The workers class, that's the second social group, um, really the Grey Empire has been able to bend history over this hundred years to create a working class of people that don't really know what's outside 
the walls of Lantern City. It's a walled city. No one gets in, no one gets out. It's my favorite uh, picture, too, of like, all of our like renderings. City of the walls. You remember that one? Similar, that in, in a similar way to that, yeah. I mean, after after multiple generations pass. Or, um, metropolis. Know, things can, Fritz yeah. Lang things, exactly. Class. Things change. So, um, there's also a, a the third class of people, Grey Empire, the working class, and then there's a growing underground, which is literally under the city, and it's a very volatile place, but you don't have to live by the Grey Empire's rules and restrictions, curfews, worker ID cards, you know, things like this. So, um, yeah. Sort of like what we had with what was called the Down Below on the Babylon Station. Mm -hmm. It was mm -hmm. a place for thieves, <laughs> the oh, thieves' yeah. guilds and things like that. You know, yeah. It was a darker place that we... Who ran the place didn't go down into, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, it's where the criminal element was always existing. But uh, no, I just—it's uh, very exciting to to do this. Uh, I've been asked, "Well, you're going to be in it?" Well, I don't really want to be in it. Um, I have been an actor out here almost 40 years now, and. Um, there are other things to do in this business that I want to do, and that's what appealed to me. When Trevor came to me with this idea, this really appealed to me because this—I was looking for something else. Mm -hmm. That's why I came into this. I was looking for something else. Uh, I love the genre, uh, science fiction in general, history. Um, so this—that uh, answered those two loves right there. This answers those two loves because we're going to create a history. Yeah, I didn't. You know? I didn't. I didn't contact Bruce after we did Smokewood so that he could be the star of the show. That was no, no, no. I, was, no. I wanted you as far away from that side of the lens as possible. <laughs> I've been there. I I've know. been there. And that's fine, too. You know. Um, Has, uh, have, you ever, have you ever thought, uh, well, this approach is so novel and unique and nobody's tried it. Is it does it sometimes occur to you that there might be... I mean, like, uh, when we started Krypton Radio, so people are asking me, why go backwards? Why take the this upside down approach and make people tune in at a certain time? Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, people like it. But I often ask myself, maybe there are no science fiction radio stations for a very valid business reason. Yeah. And has it ever passed through your mind that your approach hasn't been done before, and there may be a real solid reason why not? Uh, no, and I'll tell you why. Well, sorry. That's, <laughs> no. a, that's a cheerful I'll, question. I'll, I'll take sorry, that one. No, let's, what, no, let's cover know, all angles because here. Because we know. have... We're trying to produce a television show. That's sort of a mainstay of the concept. It's a TV show. How we get to that stage, there's a lot of different ways to skin the cat. Mm. Anger management, which is currently on FX, mm. uses a very new kind of sales model where they, where the producers of that show, they get greenlit for ten episodes. As long as they hit certain, you know, uh, Nielsen rating guidelines, they get back ended on the next ninety episodes, Oof. which instantly puts them into syndication, and everybody makes a ton of money. Exactly. So that's a totally nobody's ever done that before in episodic television to change the way that that's done. You buy it's season. It's like CSI, you know. Gary Sinise is, was been waiting for the call. Am I going to be they, back on? Yes, he is. I got it. I have today. had to do that. I can't tell you, you know, how many times. Waiting. Everybody else is yeah. moving around to different things, trying to get different shows because mm -hmm. you don't know. It's all waiting and waiting. Well, they changed that model when they did well, that, that model. Show. Is it's is totally going new. going away? And that's exactly the point: is that these models are changing. 
how people watch television is changing so much. HBO Go is probably one of the greatest apps that's ever been well, created. It's, it's from the new technologies yeah. that's driving all of this. Yeah, it's that is changing the face of a Hollywood that is basically, I mean, the cameras even. We're yeah. using oh, little yeah. cameras now. No more film. No yeah. more film. Nobody I just finished an HD, um, a, a sweet little a Christmas movie. You know, I got to mm -hmm. pay the rent. Uh, you know, <laughs> but I did it, and it was all in HD. I didn't have to wear makeup. And well, I don't think you need time. to wear makeup no, wait, no, anyway. no, but hold on a second. As an actor, this is changing. This is you changing. I mean, the women have to wear a much more subtle thing. You can see it in HD. Yeah, you, know, no, you no. can't. Uh, yeah, you can't get away. And with no one it. says cut, or that's a, we got, uh, we've just rolled out, or something like uh -huh. that. It just keeps going. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can turn and keep going, do another take, do another take, do try another thing, another thing, and um, no one has to cut it. And then you finally cut it when you're done. Uh, uh, you'll finally say it's finished there. Well, yeah, the old but TV shows uh, and converting them, converting something like uh, uh, the original Star Trek series to Blu-ray. Yeah. And all of a sudden you see every blender edge, every smudge. Absolutely. Every Why do you think Babylon 5 will never come out on Blu-ray? Because oh, never they say that, really? No, never because I'll, t no, I'll tell you why never. It can't. It's too bloody expensive to do. Mm. Every effect shot would have to be redone. Oof. And that's what they did with the original series. Every effect shot, all those wonderful spaceships, all those, the okay. station itself, every time you, you know. Because it was all done to 525 scan Exactly, scandals. sir. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And nobody's going to invest that kind of money to go back and do all of that. You can't. And it would lose its, you, it would lose its, uh, its impact. I really do believe that. You tried to improve upon that because the first CGI it is what it is. First. It is what it is. It's a piece of history now, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Television history. And I don't want to see that altered. That was like when they were going to colorize all the black and white movies early on. Remember? Oh, yeah. We didn't like that. I don't want to see Casablanca in color. Wrong. Yeah, Turner. So Ted Turner. Ted Turner. Yeah. We came, we got used to it, but those early attempts at that were lousy. Babylon you know? 5. Uh, interesting that you brought that up. Uh, Babylon 5 is really responsible for the existence of modern computer graphics as, exactly. as we know it today exactly. because as you were uh, as you guys were developing your effects you were also in constant communication with new tech the people who was making who were making lightwave mm -hmm. and telling mm -hmm. them how to write their code mm -hmm. so that, yeah. so that yeah. you, mm -hmm. the workflow we, we had some brilliant people in that aspect well gene you know? here was one of the rhythm and hues 200 so he knows that people feel. laid off from rhythm and hues in that oh my god yeah. <laughs> so he knows right. the, the well all I'm saying is uh, strangely enough I've been associated with two uh, things that were involved with CGI certainly Tron yeah. mm -hmm. um, is legendary and that's how that's kind of hung in. Um, and Babylon 5 for television mm -hmm. Tron for the bigger screen you know but it all it, it was this the advent of these new tools to use in our storytelling process and that's uh, and what we'll do for Lantern City is we are utilizing latest stuff, latest technology. It is going to rely heavily on CGI. You can't build these worlds out of Vehicles, brick and mortar. Yeah. You know, it's not, to, to not a certain any, degree, not, not going to happen. Yeah. Unless we go somewhere where it's a little bit more feasible to build. Uh, Bruce had mentioned that Mira had said that maybe we could shoot this in Sarajevo in Eastern Europe. I mean... Uh, well, that's constant productions being done there now. A lot uh, yeah. of productions being done there, and yeah. building costs are different. One of the things that I'm 
very specific about in the production of Lantern City is that we're not exclusively using CGI because, like a Star Trek, like a Galaxy Quest even, um, or, you know, it was great because they built it. They made it. Those, you know, the bad guys were actually in front of them. I like that combination. You know, there was definitely CGI that was great. District 9, perfect example of some seriously beautiful combination of practical, live puppetry and suit effects and CGI overlaid over top. I think that movie trumped um, so much of what even, you know, a Spider-Man 3 was doing at the time mm-hmm. for well, I f- a also think the script was much well, so script, more script aside, that's well. a, that's let me just let me also defend Tron here because everyone thinks it was kind of like popped into some this uh, computer graphic toaster and it all oh, came yeah. up like that. Actually, it was more old school than new school. It was all it was sets. We had platforms. We were, you know, we had massive sets built. Tron Legacy. Mm-hmm. They built an entire Tron city at the place called Burnaby outside. It's a suburb of Vancouver. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had massive sound stages. Those sets, when you saw Jeff Bridges' a domain that he had, it was all practically, and it was built. Massive stuff. And, and when, then... And when you saw the people in the suits... Mm-hmm. They actually had batteries on their fannies, and they threw the switches, and the suits actually lit up. Yeah, great phrase on the set of, of Tron Legacy was, all right, light them up. <laughs> <laughs> the guys on the boards, uh, on, the, on the thing, and zoop, zoop, uh-huh. you see all these people going, boom, 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 boom. That must have uh, been amazing. Yeah, and amazing uh, Garrett, as young Garrett Hedlund, who I'm very proud of, um, uh, said that you know he, he got perspiring so much because he had so much action to do in that suit <laughs> that that thing he started getting electric shocks. He was oh, wow. have to well, stop that would be because, yeah, 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 he'd be jumping <laughs> up like that. And uh, we didn't have that with those old uh-huh. spandex tights. We Jeff and I were wearing in 1982. It's, it's I a, it's a little you. known fact that only about 20, 27, 20 some minutes, yeah. twenty some minutes of, of the original CG. Tron was yeah. actually CG. Yeah. Yeah. And then the rest of it was all live action mm-hmm. and uh, compositing tricks. Yep. Yeah. You know, and yes. they made some front projection. Yes, front we did. Projection. Yes, we did. But you know that in that project, we're stepping out in something we had no idea it was if it was going to work. That was exciting. It's Hollywood is safe today. They play the safe game, and what we're trying to do with Lantern City is not play that safe game the way it's always been done. Uh, it's risky, but then why not? Why not try to risk? What, what do you get? No risk, like no doing reward. It That's right, exactly. And uh, like I said, they play it safe. And um, I think back there in the 80s and in the 70s, some of the most daring things in film and television were being done. You couldn't do all in the family today. <laughs> no. And somebody no, would be, sure everybody would be offended and picketing and, oh, my God, you know, I mean. Well, even in, in, in the, you know, obviously the 83 summer, so many great science fiction films, you know. Blade Even Runner. Blade Runner and all, you know, Tron, mm-hmm. a lot of them. And that was a such a such a great period for creation, and I think that that's something that uh, certainly we're trying to get back to that same style, that same feeling, yeah. that same creation. I think it is happening. I, yeah, I think with the advent of what did you say, Netflix and, and yeah. Amazon, that's part of this. We're breaking away from CBS, NBC, ABC. Uh, they're moldering. They're, they are. They're, they've got less than sixty percent of an audience anymore. I mean, they're they're and they're struggling. You know. Well, they're, you yeah, but they're the all inter- owned by motion picture companies yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Well, I mean, you can get into whole companies. Or cable, cable companies, companies. Yes. NBC, I mean, U- AMC Universal. Is, okay. 
I mean, the sci-fi. <laughs> and a good There's a more sci-fi. There's more sci-fi I'm on BBC America. Come on. I like it. I, I like that sci-fi, one better. Sci-fi runs real science fiction. They have worldwide wrestling. That is fantasy. Yeah, fantasy. So what can we do to help? How how would you like... Customers, builders, smart people. Everybody who's listening. How can we help you make this happen? I think that the thing that's the most important um, for us, the thing that networks look at the most, is um, social media. So the more likes we get... The more Twitter follows we have, Facebook, yeah, Facebook. likes on Facebook. The more that we have, Twitters. even our even our Pinterest page and everything else. I mean, um, you participate can, in those things. Yeah, you know, that's going to show. That's going to that's going to show engagement to the networks. That's going right. to show that this is something that they cannot live without. It's a tangible number that the bean counters can count. They and like that's what they, they like need mitigating to see. risks, they to see and they are looking. That's the thing now. They're yeah. paying more attention to that. Yep. The old methods are, are, are passing. Yeah, and, are. If not, and, got to, and who better to invent new methods, eh? Right, exactly, exactly. exactly. But yeah, just um, you know, uh, just keep a lookout on the uh, internet and stuff of, for when we have something to announce, go to it. Um, tell your yeah. fr- even tell your friends, email your friends, have you seen or heard of yet and blah blah blah. All that would work would greatly help us. When we come into the when we go finally do go into an office, we want to have all that armament. We want to say, look at the demand for this. Look at the curiosity for this. We actually that have it out there. Yeah, we have a live um, a live broadcast uh, that's going to be happening of a panel that we're doing uh, at C2E2, which is mm-hmm. Chicago Comic Con. It's happening uh, April 27th, which is a Saturday at 6:30. Uh, Central Time, and um, it's going to be myself, it's going to be Matt Daly, our, our our writer of the series, Bruce is going to be there, and also Mira Furlon will be there. Ooh. So um, That's how committed she go. is. She yeah, is she's, she's going, going to Chicago. Going to Chicago, ah! happily. Um, so, the, as many, you know, it's, it's going to be broadcast out, all the details will be available on our uh, website, lanterncitytv.com, um, also on our Facebook page as well. So, You'll be able to watch a live feed of it. Um, it will be replayed again and again. We'll be able to do that after the fact. But, um, yeah, as much engagement, go to the forums. Submit your work. Submit a design. Submit something. There's a, you know, you there's a good chance. Yeah, You've got you artists can, and makers in today's audience. Exactly. Fact, you can, they were very interested. Have in just as much a chance as Hollywood prop people to get your get your work shown on, on the show. Um. Uh, soothe a fear of mine, would you? Um, you're going to pay them, right? No, we're not. Uh, you know but, what that would get into? Yeah, but what we are. You know the, but the, the we've actually addressed this on the forum. Yeah. Uh, we've addressed this on the forum a bunch of times. Um, a lot of a lot of high end steampunk makers were concerned. What we're doing is just like you would at a gallery show. We're showing your work on television. We're not replicating it. We're not mass producing it. We're not manufacturing it. All of that's in all of our releases and everything on the show. We can't get into a situation where we're paying everybody for their work, oh God, but we'd, never be able to do we'd be the poorest people on earth. Um, but what we are doing is we're allowing emerging artists to show their unique creations to an incredibly broad audience. Great for the resume. Yeah. So if you end up with, uh, I mean, there's got to be some toy franchising coming out of this eventually. And at that point, then 
you probably find yourself in the position of going back and saying, okay. Well, but we're not we're not we're not going to be we're not going to be using exclusively fan work. The show is going to okay. be so big that we really couldn't we want just pull yeah, from we one. We want to enhance what a prop house, right. a Hollywood prop house and believe me, I'm not putting them down when I say this, but the detail we're looking to make this world with uh, down to the rings and brooches and so on and so forth. Okay. We want to go into much more detail than they would be able to provide. I mean, I'm not saying that they can't. They're very creative okay. people. And they have the you know, ability to do it, but they don't have the bandwidth. Right. Right. Exactly. So we want to. So exactly. we want to augment, augment with what what we have from our production team, which we'll put together. We want to augment that with unique pieces that help our creativity, that push our story in different directions, possibly based on a on a piece of of art that comes in into the show. We have great, uh, we've, we've worked with specifically two in terms of a lot of the prop production. Uh, Thomas Williford, who's very, you have his book in your mm -hmm. library right mm -hmm. now. And um, Tom Banwell, who has made the Lantern City Guard mask for us. They're doing original work that is specifically for Lantern City um, that we can make the Lantern, Lantern City Guard action figure out of and not have to worry. So, um, okay. like, like I said, it's a way to bolster our own creativity by allowing all the fans, all of the, all of the makers out there to add to our story. Okay. And then my other question is, where's the lantern? I see eyes and cityscapes and armor. I'm not seeing a lantern. <laughs> you haven't seen where's, the lantern where, yet. Okay. I don't want to show you the lantern yet. All shall be revealed. All, all, right. all shall be revealed. Okay, the end, but, but there's it's yeah. not just a name. There's, no. there's it means something. There's actually something in there. Correct. Yes, okay. there actually is. The, okay. the, and that, that's what I, we have I to kind of hold. We have to kind of hold close to the vest on it's that. It's not Green Lantern. No. no. no Ooh, they no, did. They did an episode that is scarily uh, reminiscent of this. And the Green Lantern finds himself in an alternate universe with a steampunk world. Where everything goes on steam, and there is a steam lantern. Really? It happens. Yeah. yeah. It, happens. it happens. Well, no one said this. You know, I mean. They probably went to Comic Con well, and said, a "What a good idea!" Yeah, and ran it up. But, uh, <laughs> how about the folks? But how about all those people out there? Because uh, it's wonderful trying to appeal. Of course, when I'm speaking to the choir here. Yeah, that's right. But the object of a television series is to bring something to people that have no clue okay. about the Green Lantern going to a steampunk city. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm just throwing it out there for your That's who we're looking we're for. We're just poking fun. At yeah, you. yeah, I know. Yeah. All good. All good. Yeah, I mean, tell, find me in a. I must brought story, a little you know. lantern with a yeah. candle in it to put out here tonight, yeah. but that wouldn't play on the radio <laughs> either. So, uh, before we wrap up for the evening, I'd like to ask a favor. I'd like to ask two favors. Uh, first of all, uh, we have a card here for Heidi Nichols, whose cancer has been uh, diagnosed as malignant in mm -hmm. she's life. It would be nice if you could sign. Absolutely, card. absolutely, and we wish her all the best, speedy recovery. Absolutely. And the other favor I'd like to ask you is if you could do a Krypton radio station drop. Sure. I'm this is so-and-so, oh, and, so and you're listening, listening to, to Krypton, Krypton Radio. Sure. All right, I can do that. Okay. Yes. Uh, we've, got, we've got one from Claudia, actually. Oh. <laughs> That's pretty <laughs> funny, actually. It's just, uh, this is Claudia Christian. You're listening to Krypton Radio. Do not! Change the channel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's my dear Claudia. Yes, that's who she is. On or yeah. off Babylon Five, I expect. Oh, she is. She's a well. She's a marvelous actor and a marvelous person. And, uh, well, the fans certainly think so too. I mean, uh, this is the love that you have for one another as friends 
and as your adopted family really shines through and I think that's part of why everyone is so attracted to what you're doing well, it's, it's and why you're doing it, across. it really it comes across and that's what we hope to do here I want to have that same kind of feeling of an ensemble you know that um, people will want to tune in every week that's the secret to it you're right? trying to catch lightning in a bottle you should have the right kind of lightning rod mm -hmm. and absolutely. I think that you're exactly. absolutely that's why we turn on a television and so. with that uh, ladies and gentlemen thank you all for attending I see that uh, the Lost Fist Clubhouse I wanted to say a little bit about Lost Fist it is the world's oldest science fiction society and uh, it has been here in Los Angeles since 1934. And they have been gracious enough to allow us to make use of their facility this evening to record this episode of the Event Horizon in front of a live studio audience. I thank you all for your patience and understanding while we record. And thank you for being such a great audience. And can we is a Krypton Radio production. Thank you. And uh, you want to press the button? Oh, you're going to let... No, Melissa, push, push the button. Push, push the button, Max. What? Um, <laughs> is this it? This is it. Wherever I want the button? Wherever you want the button. It's right there. You have been listening to Krypton Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon, Where the Impossible Happens. Join us each week at this time for a journey into science fiction fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. Your hosts have been Krypton Radio General Manager Gene Turnbow and Executive Producer Susan Fox. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The part of the science officer was played by Mark Schurmeister. The part of the engineer was played by Christopher B. McGuire. The navigator was played by Christine Cherry and the role of the captain was voiced by science fiction writer Larry Niven. Join us next week on Saturday, 9 p.m. Pacific, for the next episode of The Event Horizon, where the impossible happens.